the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Calcedon Report number 16, January 1967. No better means of understanding the purpose or goal of modern education, and especially of colleges and universities, has been offered us by the opposition than a statement by Dr. Franklin Murphy, Chancellor of the University of California at Los Angeles. This statement appeared in the California Living section of the Los Angeles Herald Examiner, Sunday, December 11, 1966, in an article by John Bryan, quote, Franklin Murphy on the Return of Renaissance Man, unquote. What we are rapidly moving into, according to Dr. Murphy, is a renaissance, an example, a rebirth of man. But it is unlike the Italian renaissance because, quote, it has few historical benchmarks, unquote. In fact, quote, I think it's more of a revolution than a renaissance because it has very few roots in the past, unquote. This revolutionary change is especially evident in the arts. What are the sources of this glorious, quote, cultural awakening, unquote? Reporter Brian asked, quote, I'll list three major inputs, unquote. Dr. Murphy replied quickly, First is the death of Calvinism that set of traditions which said that to live richly in one's emotional life is a dishonorable thing for a man to do. Secondly, the impact of the scientific revolution. It's shaking up everybody's confidence that there are any timeless verities. It's leading to an acceptance of experimentation. That's almost the name of the current game. The third input is the growth of a new open-endedness a willingness to look candidly at the old prejudices which we find today in our entire society. All of this is producing what you may call a Renaissance man, what some have called a man for many seasons. Of course, he is not being born without a certain amount of friction. People are having a hard time understanding, for instance, the reluctance of the Supreme Court to restrict freedom of expression by rigid definitions of what is obscenity page 6. Dr. Murphy felt that the Supreme Court justices actually, quote, are a bit behind the times, unquote. For him, the purpose of the university is to create this Renaissance man. Now, all three of Dr. Murphy's inputs add up to one thing alone, the death of God, of morality, of truth. There must be no, quote, timeless verities, unquote, or absolute truths, no absolute right and wrong, only, quote, experimentation, unquote, 
total moral relativism. It is significant that Dr. Murphy called this, quote, new man, unquote, Renaissance man, because the Renaissance was dedicated to moral relativism. It held, according to John S. White in Renaissance Cavalier, that, quote, good and bad are not absolute concepts, but products of their time. Good is what conforms to its time, what corresponds to actual society. In other words, good usage. Bad is what is out of date, the antiquated, unquote, page 13. This moral relativism or moral anarchism went hand in hand with statism and totalitarianism in the Renaissance. And the same is true today. Because moral relativism denies that there is an absolute right and wrong, it puts no moral limits on the powers of the state. Also, it does not allow any moral grounds for criticizing the state. If nothing is really evil, then nothing is really morally wrong with anything the state does. Wherever and whenever moral relativism flourishes, then and there totalitarian statism also flourishes. Dr. Murphy and other modern educators are thus educating for totalitarianism. The death of God movement, which is at the heart of all this, is one of the most deeply rooted and most basic movements of our time. It states openly what is prevalent secretly. One of the social effects of this decline of biblical faith is the operation of the principle of Gresham's Law in every realm. As the Santa Ana Register editorial of Monday, December 19, 1966, page B8, observed, quote, Gresham's Law states that bad money drives out good money. The same principle appears to apply to people, unquote. Isaiah observed long ago that a religious and moral breakdown meant also a breakdown of authority. Quote, As for my people, children are their oppressors and rule over them. Unquote. Isaiah 3.12 In such an age, there is not only a desire to make the bad rulers, but the good see the futility of the situation and say, quote, Make me not a ruler of the people. Unquote. Isaiah 3.7 because they recognize that the people cannot be led except into evil and slavery. It is the dangerous education we are giving in our colleges and universities. It is education for slavery. We should not be surprised at the results. Calcedon Report number 17, February 1967. Quote, The Plague, an Ultimate Arm of War. Unquote. So reads the title of a front-page news story by William Hines, Washington Star Service, in the Thursday, January 19, 1967, Oakland, California, Tribune. The article reviews a two-part report in the magazine, Science. Chemical and Biological Warfare, CBW, is today extensively studied and planned. Hines writes, it is already possible to make some dreadful conjectures on the basis of things presently on the record. The possibility of a militarily instigated outbreak of plague is one. We know that plague, quote, the Black Death, unquote, is one of the munitions of war being worked on in the CBW program. 
We know this because a soldier named Ralph Powell fell ill of pneumonic plague in 1959 working at Fort Detrick, Maryland, where CBW research is centered. Pneumonic plague is one of the two forms of the worst scourge ever visited on mankind. From a military point of view, the pneumonic variety is preferable to the bubonic because bubonic plague requires the cooperation of a rat and a flea in the cycle of epidemic infection. Pneumonic plague can be distributed more effectively by aerosol sprays from airplanes or fog from smoke-type artillery shells. Because of quick diagnosis, Hines reports Powell was cured, but the intensive care with quick diagnosis and strict isolation are essentials which would not be available should an epidemic strike a large city. Although estimates vary, Hines states that, quote, 25 million of the 75 million people then living in Europe died in the first great black death between 1347 and 1350. More than one-seventh of London's population of nearly 500,000 perished in the Great Plague of 1655, and other areas were subsequently hit when Charles II and his court fled, taking the scourge along with them, unquote. Page 4. Other aspects of CBW include, quote, war against food. A woman scientist was awarded the Army's highest civilian service medal for her work on a fungus particularly effective on rice, unquote. Hines concludes, quote, For 20 years man has been juggling the nuclear tools of his own destruction. Now he may be on the verge of acquiring a new and equally unthinkable tool. Carried to its logical conclusion, CBW could provide a solution to the population problem. The final solution as Adolf Hitler so facetiously put it, unquote, page 4. Man proposes, but God disposes. The nations of the world are busily engaging in chemical and biological warfare studies as the next step beyond atomic warfare. It is regarded as a superior method because it offers opportunities to capture an area with the people unharmed or with the resources unharmed and the people eliminated. But meanwhile, an unplanned, non-socialistic plague is getting underway in Asia. In Santa Ana, California, the Register for Monday morning, November 21, 1966, reported on page 1, quote, 20th century man menaced by revival of black death, unquote. The article stated that for the first time in 42 years, a case was brought into the United States by a soldier returning to Dallas, Texas from Vietnam. Quote, in one year, 11 nations in the Southeast Asia-Pacific region reported the number of plague cases had almost tripled, unquote. But these statistics do not tell the story because few deaths in that area passed through medical and statistical hands. The report concludes, P.A. 2. Recent checks showed that fleas in the port areas of Vietnam are now immune to DDT, and every ship or plane leaving the war zone could carry plague-ridden fleas. Quote, the world today faces a growing menace of the outbreak of human plague, unquote. World Health Organization scientists said, the main reasons are rapid urbanization 
and lack of appreciation of the danger. Unquote. The most important developments, however, are in communist China. Within that nation, three diseases are spreading. Asian flu, pneumatic plague, and cholera. According to Robert S. Allen and Paul Scott in their, quote, Washington Report, unquote, Oakland, California Tribune, Friday, January 27, 1967, page 30. With these deadly diseases appearing in epidemic proportions in several northern and western provinces, U.S. and Russian officials are gravely concerned that the spreading civil disorder in China may turn that country into a massive incubator of epidemics. As a result, the United States, through Secretary Dean Rusk, and the Soviet Union, through Ambassador Dobrynin, are discussing common action against the threat of plague. It is one thing for nations to plan to unleash plague against mankind. It is another for God's judgment to unleash it against man. Then all good nations are called to work together through the United Nations to stop the plague. Man's biological and chemical warfare is good socialist planning. God's judgment simply cannot be permitted by the United Nations and the World Health Organization. This is good humanism, but not good sense. Allen and Scott report that the epidemics in Red China are potentially a far graver threat to our troops than the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese. They are an even greater threat to the Soviet Union. A Red Guard defector has reported that the flu epidemic has already entered Soviet areas. The fear is that the other epidemics, the plagues, will follow. Plagues are a common occurrence at the end of an age, whether of the Roman Empire, the medieval era, or any other culture. The end of an age is marked by a general breakdown of morality, law and order, money, soil, morale, the will to live, and of all things, because the basic faith which has undergirded the culture is either gone or abandoned. When man lays waste his spiritual resources, he also lays waste all other resources, natural, economic, political, agricultural, and all things else. When men are without faith and cannot say why they are alive, their will to live is weakened. Men with strong faith and a sense of calling have the strongest resistance to death. The forces of life are in them stronger than the forces for death around them. In an age when men cannot say why they are alive or what life's purpose is, the survival ability is on the whole poor. Men live not because of a zest for life, but in fear of death. Men with a zest for life under God and a joy in their work tend to have a long and vigorous life. Today, men are spiritually sick, more than that, spiritually dead, because of their apostasy from God. As a result, they have a poor survival ability. It is significant that it is in communist China that the plague is beginning, for life has become most meaningless there. But life is basically meaningless everywhere if man's chief end is not to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Jesus Christ, speaking as wisdom ages ago through Solomon, declared, 
But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Unquote. Proverbs eight thirty six. Men may hate the thought of plague, but if they hate God more, it is the plague they will inherit and unconsciously choose, and this is their judgment. In our world today, we are seeing the spread of socialism, which is a man-made sociological plague. We shall soon see the plague of socialism itself plagued with all kinds of plagues in every area of its existence. Significantly, Revelation speaks of God's judgments on Babylon the Great, the one-world humanistic order, as a series of, quote, plagues, unquote, which destroy its planning in every area. Against all man's planning, God's plan stands secure. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his pain, the very prize. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me.
Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.